When death was arrested and life began, think about those words for a moment. Because in those words we find the thing that we've all been looking for our entire lives. We find that one thing that makes all the difference in the world. We find that one thing that can bring us to the point where when we feel as if there is nothing left, because of what Christ has done, we find hope. You see, hope is found because Jesus lives. Hope is found because he is not dead in the grave. Hope is found because death has been arrested. Now you think about that for a moment. The idea of death. Because without Christ, that's all that we have to look forward to. Without Christ, that's the only thing that there is. Without Christ, all that we have to plan on, to look forward to, is that moment when we breathe our last. And it's in that moment that we recognize that life has not been anything that we thought it was going to be. And without Christ, we get to the place at the end of our lives, we look back and we say, what is it all for? What value is it? The book of Ecclesiastes tells us like, like it's all vanity, it's all a waste of time. Why? Because this life is not all that there is. It's when we get to the place and when we recognize that after we leave this earth, that there's a real place called heaven, there's a real place called hell, that we will spend an eternity. And so the words of that song, they very clearly say that death was arrested. The point, the picture, the idea that we've got to walk out with is this, that because of what Christ has done, death is not the end. Death is nothing more than the beginning of eternity because of Christ. And today, that's what we celebrate. Today, that's what we rejoice in. It's Resurrection Sunday. We rejoice because Christ is not dead. He is risen, just as he said. And so today, I want you to turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And today, we're going to look at a passage where Paul is speaking to the church of Corinth. He's reminding them of this great message of the gospel, reminding them of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because listen, don't miss this. The power of the gospel is all that there is. If it were not for the gospel, there would be no hope. If it were not for the gospel, there would be no life. If, there were not, if it were not for the gospel, there would be no eternity. There would be no heaven. If it were not for the gospel, there would be no point in living. And so Paul is writing this passage to the church at Corinth to say, listen, don't, don't miss this. Now, he wasn't writing this to them because they had walked away from the faith. They, he wasn't writing this because they had missed the whole idea of the gospel. In fact, man, they were passionate about the gospel at one time. They actually were putting their lives on the line because of the gospel. They were willing to stand up and to stand up for the fact that Jesus died and that he rose again, and they believed that, and they were willing to even pay the price of their own lives because of the gospel. But he wrote this passage to remind them that it's not about what you do, and it's not about who you are, and it's not about how good you've been, it's not about how hard you've worked, it's all about what Jesus has done. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, let's read beginning with verse 1. And it says this, Let me now remind you, Paul writes, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news, the gospel, that I preached to you before you welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message that I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Now listen to these words, because this, this 
is the gospel. Here it is. Christ died for our sins just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. And then listen to verse 8. And Paul writes this, And last of all, he says, As though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Now let me share with you, kind of give you some context here if you would, about what this passage is focusing on. Paul is writing this passage to the church at Corinth, and he's telling them very clearly, listen, do not forget this message that's so important. I gave it to you. You believed in it. It transformed your life. It changed everything about you. So so don't walk away from that. Don't lose sight of how amazing this message is. Don't get to the place where you feel like this central part that that I'm about to share with you is like a part of the story, because it is the whole story. And then he writes these words, Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. Now, this is a reference Paul makes back to the Old uh, Old Testament, to the, the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 53, where in that passage we read, It says that he was bruised for our transgressions. He was wounded for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And then it says, and by his stripes we are healed. Paul's making it clear that Jesus did die on that cross. And he did it just as the Old Testament prophet foretold. Just as he said would happen. Because he knew that without that there would be no hope. Because all of us are sinners. All of us are sinners. That means me and that means you. That means every person seated in this room, every person watching by television, listening by radio, watching on the internet, every person who was here in the first service at 7 o'clock, they were awake. That was awesome. All of those who will be at the 11 o'clock service, all of those who are meeting in Roanoke at our services there, Danville services there, Korean, Chinese, uh, our Spanish service, all of them, every single one of them are sinners. Every person that is in any church in this community today, they're all sinners. Every person who lives in every street in this community and all the counties that surround it, they're all sinners. Every person who today, their heart is beating and there's breath in their lungs. Every person on the face of the earth, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, that they have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because of that sin, we do not deserve the presence of God. That because of that sin, we have been separated from a holy God. That because of that sin, we have no hope, no life, no future, certainly no eternity and no heaven. And so Paul said, Christ died for our sins. Just as Isaiah said. Just as the prophet said that he would come and he would pay a brutal price. We talked about that last week. That he would pay a brutal price for what we have done. And so Paul says Christ died for our sins, just as the Scripture said. It says that he was buried. Again, a reference to Isaiah chapter 53. If you kept reading in that passage, you would find a little bit later, verses 10 or 11, I think it is, where it says that he would be buried with the rich. A picture of how he was, Jesus was buried in a borrowed tomb. A rich man, Joseph of Arimathea, who gave him, who loaned him for a couple of days, his tomb. Again, fulfilling Old Testament prophecy. And then Paul writes these words. 
And he rose again the third day, just as the scriptures said. That's an important element, an important part, because if there is no resurrection, there is no hope. That's a reference that Paul writes here, the Old Testament, again, going back to Psalm 16, verse 10, where it says in that passage that God would not allow his Holy One to decay. In other words, that God would not allow his son to rot in the grave. You see, up to that point, every person who had ever died, when their body was put into a tomb, when their body was put into a grave, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, there was nothing to look forward to because that body would decay just like all of ours will. But Psalm 16 verse 10 says this, but God would not let his Holy One see decay. God would not allow his Holy Son to see corruption. God would not allow his Holy Son to rot away in the grave. Why? Because Jesus rose from the grave on the third day. Jesus walked out of what was decay, what was death, what was no hope. And because of that, he has given us the picture of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me just tell you something. Everyone here today, we are all sinners who've fallen short of the glory of God. But man, I've got great news to you, to, for you today. Jesus rose from the grave so that we do not have to stay in Romans 3.23. What an amazing picture. Now, Paul goes on to write in this passage after he reminded them of the gospel, he went on to say something very important. He went on to share with them how that once Jesus rose from the grave, that he appeared to a lot of different people. You know the story. Jesus appeared to the women on the road that Easter Sunday morning. Jesus later appeared to Peter and all the apostles. You remember when, uh, when Jesus came and, and he was seen by all of them. You remember Thomas, doubting Thomas, said, unless I see with my own eyes, unless I, I see the nail prints in his hand, unless I see the, the, the place where he, the spear went into his side, unless I see that, I'm not going to believe. And of course, Jesus did what Jesus is so great at. He showed up to Thomas even though that he had every reason to, to put Thomas down because of Thomas's doubt. And Jesus showed up and, and he showed him his wrists and he showed him his side and Thomas believed. Paul went on to tell us in this passage that then he appeared to others. He appeared to 500 at one time and he appeared to the rest of the apostles. And then in verse 8 he says, but last of all, as if to say, I can't even believe this. This doesn't make sense. It goes beyond what you could possibly imagine. Last of all, as if I were born in a, in a supernatural way, like I was transplanted from here back to there, as I was taken from where I happened to be and put where, where Jesus was, as if I was born at a different time, last of all, Jesus appeared to me. Now, that's an important statement. It's an important statement because you know up to that point, what Saul had been doing was persecuting the church. Saul had been going around trying to stop this message of the gospel that he talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Saul, his vision, his heart, his job, his passion was to put down those who talked about this Jesus. In fact, he, he beat them, he threw them in jail, and at times even killed them because they dared preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. This passage that that we read about, that he says, and last of all, Jesus appeared to me. It's a picture of what took place in Acts chapter 9 when, when, when Saul was heading off to go persecute more people for this message of the gospel. And there on the road to Damascus, all of a sudden, in a miraculous supernatural appearance, Jesus showed up and changed Saul's life, changed everything about Saul's life. Now, we have to understand that Saul was blown away that Jesus would do that. 
In fact, if you keep reading in verse 9 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, look what Paul says here. He says, for I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way that I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me. Paul did not deserve the presence of Jesus in his life. Paul did not deserve the right, the, 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 uh, the opportunity to see the risen Lord. Paul had done everything wrong. He had blown it time and time again. He had hurt, he had criticized, he had persecuted, he had killed. He had worked diligently to stop the message of the gospel. He had, had worked diligently to make sure that people like you and me would never hear this message that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Paul did everything possible to make sure that message did not get heard. And then supernaturally, as Paul was going about his business, Jesus showed up and changed everything. Now listen, make no mistake. Paul did not deserve to see the risen Lord. But let me also tell you this, neither do we. You see, our journeys are really nothing more than the same as Paul's journeys. Now, let's be honest, nobody in this room is walking around persecuting the church. I don't think there are people here that have been going around throwing people in jail for preaching the message of the gospel. I certainly don't think there's anybody in this room that at some point in your life that you've killed someone because of the gospel. But make no mistake, our journey, our life, our walk that we take every single day, we are just as guilty as Paul was. There are no degrees, there are no levels of sin as it comes to God's economy. Sin is sin is sin, and all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 tells us because of that sin, we deserve death. We deserve an ending. We deserve separation. We deserve to be removed from the presence of God for now and for eternity. That is what we deserve. And so Paul said, listen, I didn't deserve to see this Jesus. I didn't deserve to hear him call my name. I didn't deserve to actually be in that place where he would show up and actually call me. I am not worthy. I'm not worthy any more than anybody else. I do not deserve the special favor of God. Whatever I am today, it is all because of the glory, the mercy, and the grace of our great, great God. Listen to me. That's our story, every one of us. Every single one of us could say the exact same thing. We do not deserve the mercy, the grace, and the appearing of God in our lives. You see, our lives are full of disobedience, not honoring God's commands, disobeying everything that God has told us to do, living our lives completely running from God. That's what we do. We're all born with that sinful nature which drives us away from God. But the empty tomb today is not just a symbol that we celebrate. It's not just an opportunity once a year to come together and sing some good songs and, and go out and put on a nice jacket or a nice dress and then go out and find some Easter eggs out in the, in the yard with candy in them or to go have a good meal and call it our Easter meal. That is not what the empty tomb symbolizes. The empty tomb today is a symbol of God's continuing appearing and His presence in our lives because of His great grace and because of His great mercy and because of His great love. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. What an amazing story that is. 
It's a verse that we all know, that we all love, but I've got to be honest with you. I think in my journey and in my life and in my Christian walk, I like the next verse a little bit more. Everyone loves John 3.16, but I love John 3.17. And let me read it to you and you'll see exactly why. John 3.17 says this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You know why I like that verse more? Because that verse tells me very clearly, God did not send his son to come to this earth and to walk up to me, even though I deserve it, and say, Jonathan, you are a sinner. God did not send his son Jesus to come into this world to let me know you've blown it way too many times. You don't deserve me. And he could have done that. God did not send his son Jesus to come into this world and to walk up to me and say, listen, you could have had it all. You could have had everything. You could have spent eternity in heaven with me if you would just have lived right, if you would have just been a better person, if you would have treated people differently, if you would have been kinder, if you would have been a a better person and showed up a little bit more when you should have. Listen, you were that close. But God didn't send his son to tell me that. God didn't send his son to tell me that, and God didn't send his son to tell you that. God did not send his son into this world to condemn us, to put us down, to trip us up, to stop us, to tell us that we are not worthy, to tell us that we don't deserve his presence, that we don't deserve his grace or his mercy. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but rather that through him the world might be saved. You see, Jesus came, even though we deserve to be separated, Jesus came to say, I love you. Even though we deserve to be put down because of the way that we've acted, Jesus came to say, listen, I'm here to redeem you. Even though we deserve to be forever separated from the presence of God, to not even have an opportunity or a chance at this place called heaven, Jesus came to say, listen, you don't deserve it, but good news, I'm going to get you there anyway. I'm going to die on the cross for your sins. Even though you don't deserve it one little bit, I'm going to do that because I love you that much. The empty tomb is a symbol of God's ever-present mercy, grace, and love. What a beautiful picture. And here's what that does for us. Don't miss this. Here's what it does for us. It gets us to the place where we recognize that there is nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. This world that we live in is full of sorrow and it's full of pain. It's full of punishment. This world that we live in is full of tears and and angst and, and problems and conflict and challenge. This world that we live in, every single day we walk through trial and tribulation. We face situations where we feel as if there is no way out and we feel as if there is no hope whatsoever. But yet, because of what Jesus has done, because Christ died for our sins, just as the Scripture said, because He was buried... And because he rose again the third day, just as the scriptures said, we have nothing to fear because Jesus has paid it all. That's what Paul is writing. In fact, he he said it best over in Philippians chapter 1. In Philippians chapter 1, you don't need to turn there, but here's what Paul said there. He said this, for to me, living means living for Christ. And dying, oh, it's even better. He says, but if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. Think about these words. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live, continue to serve, and continue to minister. Paul's writing, listen, 
The greatest thing that we have to think about and look forward to in life is when life ends. There's nothing to fear. We don't have to worry about the pain and the suffering of this world. We don't have to worry about the fear, the problems, the challenge, the conflict. We don't have to fear anything because when we are in Christ, we are a new creation and we have heaven to look forward to. Now, here we are today, and we recognize on this Easter Resurrection Sunday that there's so much to rejoice and so much to celebrate over. But as we woke up this morning, as I woke up this morning about 4 o'clock this morning, I heard the news, the tragic news that took place in Sri Lanka, where people just like you and me got up this morning in that country, and they got their families together. They put on their Sunday best, whatever that looks like in Sri Lanka, and they they gathered their families together, and they, they left their homes, and they traveled to their local churches to go and to worship our risen Lord. They walked into those churches, in three different churches in Sri Lanka this morning, as they gathered at the same moment to talk about the fact that Jesus is alive. Three bombs went out and off, and 128 Christians lost their lives instantly. They paid for their faith with their lives. But you know what's amazing? What's unbelievable is this, because of Christ, that for those 128 people that experienced that tragedy this morning, the families that have been impacted so, so greatly, for those 128, you know what's amazing? That on this Easter Sunday morning, even still, there's nothing to fear. Because the moment that they breathed their last here, they looked into the presence of God. And today, their eternity, they will be in heaven. Why? Because God loves us that much. Every single day, we walk through life that is full of fear, but there's nothing to fear. This week, I went by and visited with a a lady in our church named Virginia Tyree. On a Wednesday, she turned 102 years old. So I went by and I took her a birthday cake, and we ate cake together. 102, just doesn't matter, eat cake. (laughs) We celebrated her birthday together. And then... The next day, on Thursday, I went and visited with George Rogers, another man in our church, who turned 100 years old on Thursday. I told him, yeah, you're you're a young one, you know, 102 yesterday. You've got a long way to go. Then yesterday, I went and visited with Charlie Harbin, who turned 96 yesterday. Charlie's right over here in church this morning. It's great to have him here. And I visited with all three of them. And what's amazing in the conversations that I had with them I saw a picture that even they have lived long, long lives. You know what? They are still today rejoicing because the gospel is still true. Because Christ died for our sins according to the scripture and he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Virginia Tyree on Wednesday when I was sitting there with her on her 102nd birthday, she just told me, she said, I just want you to know I love Jesus more than anything. But I can guarantee you that while she was mostly right, she was also a little bit wrong. Because she said, I love Jesus more than anything, but you can't love Jesus more than Jesus loves us. Because he died for our sins. We've got nothing to fear because of what Christ has done. The fourth century Christian theologian Athanasius wrote these words, and I want you to hear these words. He said, And the devil, that devil that once maliciously exalted in death, now that its pains were loosed, he, the devil, remained the only one truly dead. And the proof of this is that before men believe Christ, they see in death an object of terror, and they play the coward before him. 
But when they are gone over to Christ's faith and teaching, their contempt for death is so great that they even eagerly rush upon it and become witnesses for the resurrection the Savior has accomplished against it. In other words, we have nothing to fear, not even death, because of what Jesus Christ has done. Today we stand here and we celebrate our risen Lord and we celebrate our risen Savior. You know why? Because today He lives. He lives today. He lives, He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and He talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, He lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know He lives. He lives within my heart. You see, today I walk through life and I don't have any doubts. I don't have any uncertainty. I don't have any question about what's going to happen when I breathe my last here on this earth. I don't have to wonder what's next. I don't worry about whether you know, I'm doing enough to be a Christian. I don't have to worry about whether I'm doing enough to work my way to heaven. I don't worry about those things at all. Charlie Harvin, 96, he doesn't worry about that a bit. Virginia Tyree, 102, she doesn't worry about that at all. George Rogers, 100 years old, he doesn't worry about that. Why? Because when you come to a place where you know that you know that you know that Jesus is Lord of your life, when you know that he is God's son, that he died and that he rose again, when you get to the place where you believe that with all of your heart, you don't have to fear or worry about anything because you are secure. He lives and he has you firmly in his grip. And today we come to this place on Easter Sunday to celebrate the fact that he's alive. But let me just tell you, today there are people in this room I know that have heard the gospel. You've heard it a thousand times. You like the story. It's a really good story. It makes you feel good a couple of times a year. Easter, man, it's awesome to talk about the fact that he rose from the grave. But yet in your life and in your journey, you're sitting there saying, man, I, I, man I'd sure love to know. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you could live with doubt. Jesus didn't rise from the grave so that you could live through life with uncertainty. Jesus didn't do what he did so that we would spend our entire lives just trying to do one more thing to make us good enough to earn, to deserve, to be in the right place where we could spend eternity in heaven. Jesus paid it all once and for all. And so today, if you're sitting in this room and you say, man, I just, I don't know. Man, I'm not 100% sure. I like it. I love it. I think it's great. I think it's awesome. But man, I don't know for sure. If I were to die today, man, I, I sure hope I'd spend eternity in heaven. I've tried to do my best. I've been a good person. I've tried to help people. Man, I want to tell you today, you can't help enough people to get to heaven. You can't be a good enough person to get to heaven. You can't treat people well enough to earn your right, to earn your way to be there. You can't do enough good stuff. You can't feed enough hungry people. You can't help hurting people enough. You can't earn your way to heaven. It is only through Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody, nobody gets to the Father except through Him. But the good news is this. According to God's Word, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul writes that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And He was buried. 
and he rose again the third day. And you just have to believe that. Romans chapter 10 tells us if we believe that Jesus is God's son, if we believe that he died and that he rose again, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 14 says, for if we believe that Jesus died for our sins and he rose again, if we believe, today you can believe and you can know that you know that you know that eternity, that heaven is yours because Christ died for your sins according to God's word and he rose again. And so right now in this moment with our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, in a moment I'm going to pray a prayer that calls into action the promises of God, that brings us to a place where we just know without any doubts, without any question, God has done exactly what he promised that he would do. He has saved me today. And so today, if you're here and you can't say with certainty, yes, I'm a Christian. If you can't say with certainty, yes, I'll spend eternity in heaven because of what Christ has done. If you can't say no doubts whatsoever, I know it, I know it, I know it, I'll spend eternity with him. If you can't say that, then in a moment, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. When I pray this prayer, I'm just going to encourage you, not out loud, just silently where you're seated here today that you just pray this prayer along with me, silently from your heart to the heart of God. Asking God to do for you, well, listen, He wants to do. Remember John 3, 17. God did not send His Son in this world to condemn you. He sent His Son here to save you. That's what He desires. That's what He wants. So all that we're doing is we're allowing God to do what was ultimately His plan from the beginning. And so today, if you've never done that, I'm just going to ask you to pray this prayer with me today. Just pray this with me here today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for loving me. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. I know I've blown it time and time again. But God, I thank you that you love me. And I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die for me. And that he rose again. Today, Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. Today, I believe that he died and rose again for me. Forgive me of my sins and save me today through your son, Jesus. Thank you, God, for saving me. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, with no one looking around, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to do anything to make you uncomfortable. But with no one looking around, if you just prayed that prayer, here's what I want you to do right now. If you prayed that prayer, I just want you to slip your hand up around this room so I can see you and pray for you. I see right here in the middle aisle, guys, Tim. Just slip your hand up wherever you are right now. Just slip your hand up. I see in the back over here. I see right here, right over there. Slip your hand up. Let me tell you why. Because right now I've asked our team members to come to you and hand you some information. Because here's what you got to know. What you've got to know is when you walk out of here in a few minutes, you know what's going to happen? You're going to go back out into a world that's full of fear. And you're going to walk into a world that's full of doubt. You're going to walk into a world that's full of uncertainty. And you're going to face challenge and conflict like we all do. And I want you to walk out of here today, yes, knowing that Christ is your Lord and Savior. But we want to just give you some information to help you as you travel this road, as you walk this journey with Christ in your life. In a few moments when this service is over, I'm going to encourage you, if you prayed that prayer, man, just to make your way to this altar, our team's going to be, we'd love to talk with you. Anyone else, just raise your hand. I see one right over here, Tim, right in the middle over there. Anyone else, just raise your hand. 
Pray the prayer right back over here, Tom, right over in the middle there, buddy. If you prayed that prayer, just raise your hand. In the balcony, any of the, in the balcony, just raise your hand. Today, what's happened is this. As Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, what's happened in your life today is the fact that today, Christ died on the cross for your sins, according to God's word. And what's happened today is that he was buried, and three days later, he rose again for you. And today, what's happened is that God so loves you that he gave his only son for you. And because today that you have believed that Jesus is God's son, that he died and that he rose again, that today you have been promised the gift of eternal life. Because God did not send his son into this world to condemn you. God sent his son into this world so that through Jesus, you today could be saved. On this Easter Sunday morning of 2019, 2,000 years ago, Jesus walked out of that grave, and he did that for you, and that's good news. My friends, we had no hope. We had nothing to look forward to. Our lives were done. Death was the goal. Death was the ending. Death was all that there was. But aren't you grateful today? Because Jesus loves us that much. Death has been arrested, and new life has begun. Today, my friends, we're going to stand, and we're going to end our Easter Sunday morning together, worshiping, praising God, celebrating the fact that today Jesus is alive. He has risen just as he said. Let's stand. Let's worship. Today, Jesus is alive. Darkness rejoices, though heaven had lost. Come on, church. But then Jesus arose with our freedom in
Now, today when you leave here, if you prayed that prayer with us a few moments ago, I encourage you, our team is here. If you want to stop by the Connect Center in Main Street, we have team members there. We would love to talk with you and pray with you about that. Also today, when you leave, the Bruner Hall is open for time of communion. If you want a family, a prayer time, a communion time, you certainly can do that. As you walk from this place today, know next Sunday, we're going to begin talking about what it means to go from surviving to thriving. Christ did not die and then rise again so that we would just make it, so that we would just figure out how to do life day by day, barely. He died and he rose again so that we would thrive in the kingdom of God. And so I encourage you to come back next week as we begin talking about what it means to go from surviving to thriving. God bless you. Have a wonderful Easter Sunday. And before you leave, he is risen, just as he said. God bless you and happy Easter. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for joining us here today. You know, at Thomas Road Baptist Church, since our very beginning, back in 1956, we've been about one thing and one thing only, and that is to bring the message of hope that comes through Jesus Christ to the world. And today, my friends, we recognize we live in a world that's messed up. We live in a world that's full of division and conflict and pain and sorrow. But Jesus came to this world not to bring division and sorrow, but to bring joy, to bring peace to bring hope. And today, that's the message that we want to share with you. And if you're watching this and you've never had the opportunity of of connecting with Him at that level, of understanding what it is that Jesus came to do, then I encourage you and I want to let you know the greatest news you'll ever hear, and that's this. God loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. In fact, He gave His only Son, Jesus, to come to this earth to die on the cross, to pay for your sins and for my sins, to do for us what we never could do for ourselves. What an amazing gift that really is. God loves you. Christ died for you. But three days later, he rose again. And when he came out of that grave, he gives us victory over sin, over Satan, over the grave. He gives us the hope for eternity. But according to God's word, it's very clear. What we must do is believe. We must believe that Jesus is the son of God. We must believe that he died and that he rose again. And if we do that, according to Romans 10, 13, anyone, that means you, it means me, it means every person that has ever lived, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I encourage you today to recognize that hope that comes through Jesus. And if you've never trusted him as your Lord and Savior, do so today, believing that he is who he said he is, that he did what he said that he did, calling on his name, and it'll change everything. That is the message that we share. It's a message that we want to take to the entire world. And today I would encourage you to connect with us, maybe even financially through a gift that you can help us to take this message around the world. I encourage you today to stand with us as we stand with truth, as we stand with hope, to let the world know God loves.